start in uh, start first by reading a scripture in First uh, Corinthians chapter one. First Corinthians chapter one. I'm going to start reading from verse twenty-six. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised, God has chosen the things that are not, so that he might nullify the things that are, so that no man should boast before God, but by his doing you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that... Just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in, the, boast in the Lord. So he says, consider your calling. There are not many wise, not many, not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. So think about that as Christians. We have been called as Christians because we're not the wise, noble ones. But what I want to do is, is do something a little different. I want to... Uh, I want to talk with you about the most dysfunctional family that I know of. The most dysfunctional family that I know of. And uh, I don't know if any of you know this dysfunctional family, but I want to share with you about this family. It's really dysfunctional. And it becomes really uh, amazing how dysfunctional it really is. It's it's just, just pretty profound how dysfunctional a family can get. And and I and I don't I don't want to lose you, so I, I I want you to to bear with me. You're going to say this is this is too extreme. This just can't be. But remember, I'm going somewhere with this because God was able to pull out treasures from even from this family. So this man's name is Nigel and he has a wife and uh uh and and key to this story is he has a nephew as well. Now, Nigel um, sold his wife as a prostitute twice to two different men and was able to get a lot of money for those two occasions. And everything you see in dysfunctional families, you will see there's manipulation in dysfunctional families, there's sexual sin, there's cheating, there's stealing, and there's lies. These are characteristics of dysfunctional families. And the more dysfunctional they are, the deeper these things run. And so you see this, what Nigel did with his wife. Um, Nigel, at the prompting of his wife, ended up sleeping with his housekeeper on an occasion. And his housekeeper became pregnant. And so you can imagine, what kind of family is this? Well, then his wife obviously hates the housekeeper now. But after she had been treated the way she had been treated by Nigel, it's no surprise that she had reacted back in this way. So the wife fires the housekeeper. And the wife... And then and Nigel and, and his wife, after some time, end up bearing a son, Ian. Um, remember I told you they had a nephew? Well, this nephew ends up 
taking selfishly from Nigel. Uh, the nephew, after seeing the way his uncle was, when he grows up and has a family, he ends up having two daughters, and he sells them off as prostitutes. I mean, not sells them, but just kind of gives them up as prostitutes. Um, this nephew also ends up sleeping with these same two daughters. So there was incest in the family. Pretty wild family, huh? Ian and his wife, so Ian ends up getting married, and she blames him for not being able to get pregnant. And, uh, uh, you know, you look at this and you say, is it Ian's fault? Is it the wife's fault? You don't know, but she blames him. Eventually she gets pregnant. She, gets, she has two sons, Henry and Thomas. So you see how this dysfunctionality is moving throughout generations. Ian loves Henry. His wife loves Thomas. So these parents are taking sides now on who they love. Henry and Thomas are always fighting. Thomas steals from Henry. Henry tries to kill Thomas. Thomas cheats, eventually moves out of town, ends up getting married, cheats his father-in-law. I'm I'm sorry, Thomas cheats his, his father at his mother's promptings. So his mother prompts him to cheat his father. Henry marries multiple times. Thomas ends up with marrying multiple times. Now follow Thomas, the next generation. Thomas has, remember he had married multiple times. He repeatedly made bad business decisions. Um, He ends up ripping off his father-in-law. He had several sons and and, uh, one daughter from his multiple wives. Thomas clearly liked only one of his sons. That's it, only one of them, Stephen. The other sons make Thomas's life miserable. One of Thomas's sons, Xavier, sleeps with one of Thomas's ex-wives. It's a pretty amazing family, isn't it? One son, Anthony, sleeps with his daughter-in-law and gets her pregnant. The one daughter, Cheryl, is a flirt and sleeps with a guy. Another two sons of Thomas's, Vince and Boyd, kill the guy for having slept with his sister. And several sons try to kill Stephen because they just want to torment their father and they're jealous of Stephen, that he's the only one loved by Thomas. What would you think of that family? Pretty dysfunctional, right? I don't know what kind of home you come from, but I bet it's not this dysfunctional. Okay, so, so if ever you're wondering, you know, is my family really bad? It's not this bad. Now tell me, who recognizes this family? Okay, this is what the family is. So you all know this family. How could you know this family? You all must know. So Nigel is Abraham. Abraham, the Bible says in three occasions, twice in the Old Testament, once in the New Testament, that Abraham was the friend of God. Abraham gave his wife over twice, once to Pharaoh and once to Abimelech. And just before they slept with her, God made it apparent to them, to Pharaoh by 
casting sickness upon his home, and to Abimelech in a dream saying, I'm going to kill you tonight. God appeared to him. And they ended up both giving him lots of money and saying, go away from me. So twice, instead of defending and saying, this is my wife, he gave her to another man to sleep with. I mean, imagine how she feels. Say, oh, that was back in the old days. No, I mean, wives feel this. To protect himself, he gave his wife to another man twice. I mean, how's that for sticking up for your wife? She tells him to sleep with Hagar. She encourages him, go ahead, sleep with Hagar. This is the housekeeper. Go ahead, sleep with Hagar. Maybe you could have a baby through her. The amazing thing is, he does it. She gets pregnant, and then Sarah hates her, understandably. This is an awkward family, isn't it? Maybe we should tell God how bad this family is. Maybe you could find a more Christian family to work through. Remember, God specifically chooses not the wise. They bear a son, Isaac. Their nephew, Lot, is arguing over land and Abraham says, take whatever land you want. And he looks and he sees the Jordan Valley. It's all green. He says, I'll take that side. And he leaves He leaves Abraham with just, just the desert-looking side. He goes and, and a band of men come to his house one day. And rather than to disturb his guests, he says, just take my daughters. They're virgins. You can have them. Sleep with them. I mean, imagine a father. I don't know what your father has done to you, but I doubt that he has taken you and thrown you to a crowd of, of men that were burning to have sex with somebody. Has that happened to anybody here? I mean, I've never heard of such a thing, except in this family. This was a dysfunctional family, to the extreme. And after being offered to this crowd, which doesn't want the women, they want his men guests, how did you think the daughters felt? Dad, you want to throw me out in that crowd? You think they just, oh no, this is, in our generation this happens. No, any daughter would lose all respect for their father. That's the only natural thing that could happen. They would lose all respect. So they end up getting him drunk and they sleep with him. And he impregnates both of them over a two-day period. One the first night, another the second night. Great family, huh? This is all one generation. Now let's go to the next generation. Isaac gets his wife, Rebecca. She has trouble getting pregnant. She starts blaming him. He says, well, who am I? My God, I don't control this sort of thing. I'm doing the best I can. She eventually has two sons, I said Henry and Thomas, so Jacob and Esau. Isaac loved Esau because he was, he, was, uh, he was a man of the field. 
He was a football player. They loved him. Whereas Rebecca loved Jacob. Because he was he was in the marching band. <laughs> he was a more gentle guy. He was around the kitchen a lot. He liked to cook. Remember he cooked a bowl of porridge and his brother came in and said, What is that stuff? He said, I'll give it to you. Just give me your birthright. Yeah, sure, you can have it. I'm just hungry. He's a football player. <laughs> And he got the birthright. So he steals from his brother. His brother, Esau, tries to kill him. Jacob deceived his father, Isaac, at his mother's prompting. He, did, he, didn't, he wasn't put up to this himself. His mother, Rebecca, said, Go and get this blessing. You've got the birthright, now get the blessing. While Esau goes out to the field, I'll prepare one of these, 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 these kids right here, and, and you bring it in, and uh, let's really deceive him. Let's put one of these, the, the skin of the kid on, on, your, on your chest, because Esau's a hairy man. I mean, this was pure and utter deception. The guy was blind. And the wife is deceiving him. Great family, huh? Esau married multiple wives. Jacob married multiple wives. He repeatedly made bad business decisions. I mean, he sees a woman, he's infatuated. I've seen guys do really dumb things when they've seen a pretty girl. But never have I seen them say, I will work for seven years to get that girl. Seven years! And and Laban says, sure, I'll take that deal. I mean, you'd think that the guy would at least lowball him. I'll work for a week. You know, and then Laban comes back and they negotiate and they agree on six months or a year, but seven years up front. Just, I'll work seven years. Bad business decision. And then after seven years, Laban gets him drunk enough that he gives him not the pretty daughter, but he gives him the one that the Scripture says has had weak eyes. The one that he didn't love. And he ends up sleeping with her. He must have been really drunk. I mean, on your wedding night, to sleep with the wrong woman? I mean, this is, this is not a normal family. So he sleeps with the wrong woman. And then in the morning he's like, Gulp? <laughs> Who is this? I mean, imagine, um, uh, uh, imagine how Rachel felt about this whole thing. She had been, you know, seven years betrothed. And then her sister's in there. And then Laban comes out and says, Well, it'll take seven more years. And he agrees to it. He should have put his foot down. No, you deceived me. You know, now she's my wife, but give me the other one now too. What is this, work for another seven years? And he agreed to it. No negotiation. Bad business decision. And then, he gets the two wives, 
and he agrees to work another seven years for the goats. I mean, this is a long time, right? You think four years of college is a long time? This guy's working 21 years for two women and a bunch of goats. <laughs> he had 12 sons, and he had a daughter from, you know, and, and so he, these wives had handmaids, and he, he slept with them, and they had kids too. And he only liked one son. He only liked Joseph. And he made that very clear. He dressed Joseph in a multicolored tunic. I mean, you talk about favoritism, and it was passed down. His mother and father were like that. They took favorites. He had a favorite, a clear favorite. And it made all the other sons jealous. The oldest son, Reuben, slept with one, I said in the story, one of his ex-wives, because if I said his wife, you wouldn't have believed me. Well, he actually slept with one of his wives. So Reuben, remember, he, he, had, he had Rachel and Leah and, and a few handmaids. Reuben, the oldest of his sons, slept with one of the handmaids, who was the wife of his father. I mean, this is a, this is a dysfunctional family, isn't it? One of the sons, Judah, slept with his daughter-in-law and got her pregnant thinking she was just a prostitute. She dresses up as a prostitute to deceive him, and he ends up sleeping with her. This is a messed up family. You think you come from a messed up family? You're nowhere close to this family. Nowhere close. I don't think there's ever been a family close to this family in being dysfunctional and manipulation and lies and cheating and stealing. The one daughter, Dinah, ends up flirting around with, with the Canaanites. A guy sees her, loves her, and sleeps with her. So Simeon and Levi get all upset about this, as brothers do. And they said, ah, oh, well, you know, if, if we're going to let you really have her, you've got to get circumcised, but not just you. Your whole tribe has to get circumcised. So they say, sure. I mean, this guy must have been a really influential guy to get all the other guys circumcised. <laughs> because he loves a woman. And they're in their pain. And it says, Reuben and, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Simeon and Levi go and kill everyone in the whole tribe. The men, the women, the children, and the animals. Everyone. I said, just kill the guy, because you wouldn't believe me if I said the guy and his whole family, and all his aunts and his uncles and everyone. And then all the sons conspire together, other than Benjamin, to try to kill Joseph. And that's to torment their father. Isn't that an amazing family? Somebody is going to have to fill God in on what this family is really like because maybe God made the wrong choice in choosing them, choosing Abraham's family to be the family that would birth the Jewish nation, that would be the ones that would eventually give birth to the Messiah. 
I mean, maybe this has got to be wrong. Why do you think God would choose such a family? Couldn't he have found someone better? Remember Job? Why not find a guy like Job? He's a good guy. I mean, Job's a good guy. Job's all, you know, always offering up sacrifices to God, praying for his children all the time. You know, all this happens to him and he refuses to curse God. I mean, find a Job. Why didn't God use Job? That would have been a better choice, right? I mean, of all people, why the most dysfunctional family in the history of mankind would you choose? And God says, oh, that man Abraham. And I say, oh, Lord, don't you know that he's offered up his wife twice as a prostitute? And look what his wife has done. Told him to sleep with the woman and then got upset with the woman and threw her out when she had the baby. God says, no, no. That guy Abraham, he's my friend. He's my friend. Abraham's my friend. Do you think God sees people differently than we see him? Than we see them? I mean, he really looks at people differently than we look at them. That that guy Abraham, he's my friend. Twice in the Old Testament. Unless we think, oh, that's just Old Testament. God has grown up once he's gotten nice Christians. No, in the New Testament, it also calls Abraham the friend of God. What about Lot? What about Lot? In 2 Peter 2, verses 7 and 8, it calls Lot righteous. Two times. And on top of that, it says he had a righteous soul. Lot, who selfishly took from his uncle, who slept with his daughters, who threw his daughters, wanted to throw them into a crowd of of sex-hungry men. Lot? Twice. In the New Testament, it says, righteous Lot. It doesn't just say Lot, it says righteous Lot. And it says his poor, righteous soul was vexed. Lot? Isn't that amazing? Why Lot? Why do you call Lot righteous? I don't see much there of righteousness. Don't you know how bad he screwed up? Jacob. God says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Again and again and again in the Scriptures. God identifies Himself with the three generations of this family. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I have named Jacob the one who wrestles with God. Israel, and that's what my people shall be called, Israel, after the name of Jacob. The deceiver, Jacob the deceiver, who deceived his father-in-law, even though his father-in-law was ripping him off, but he agreed to the deal. Who favored one son over the others, who deceived his father, By acting like his older brother, Esau? Wow. 
What a family. You ever get feeling like you know you're not you're not uh, good enough to be approved by God? I mean, think about this family. Think of what this family is like. This is why I love the scriptures because it's it's full of guys like this. And then I come out looking okay. Because with all my doubts and all my fears and all my, my self-pity and all the, my bursts of anger and all my lustful thoughts, I say there's hope for me. Because God takes this family, this dysfunctional family and says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Oh, Lot, he's a righteous man. He's a righteous man. Sarah, it says, respected her husband in the New Testament and called him Lord. Sarah respected her husband? Eek. (laughs) God sees her as respecting her husband. God views people very differently than you and I view people. God views you very different, very differently than you view you. This is the compassion of God. Look at others in the scripture. Look at this list. Noah, the righteous Noah, well he got drunk. He took off all his clothes and was kind of drunk. I mean, he had a bad night. God speaks so highly of Noah. You know, I want to judge a guy just because he has a bad night. Look at Noah's bad night. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly. Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem, always trying to make excuses for his speech and get somebody else to speak on his behalf. Someone very dear to me has a stuttering problem, and I know the struggles. Moses had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair. But on top of that, he was a womanizer. But he also was so easily deceived by a woman. I mean, so easily. I mean, Delilah was just... There was nothing hidden about this. I mean, really foolish. Really foolish. But God used him. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Jonah ran from God and he too was suicidal. Remember he said, God, just take my life. You ever had thoughts of suicide? You're not the first. There's great prophets who've had thoughts of suicide. You're not alone. Elijah was suicidal. Naomi was a widow. Some women think because they're widowed, it's all over. Job went bankrupt. Peter 
denied Christ. All the disciples fell asleep while praying. Did you ever fall asleep while praying? I have. Several times. Many times. And they denied any association with Jesus. Martha worried about everything. Are you a worrier? Do you not worrier, but do you worry a lot? The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Zacchaeus was too short. Yeah. I mean, you'd be amazed what struggles are. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer. And Lazarus was dead. I mean, this is the list. This is the list of the great ones. This is who they were. I suspect that when we get to heaven, we're going to be amazed at the people that God considered His friends. Like, that guy? God, do you know what I saw that guy do? He's my friend. He's my friend. God is so merciful. The way He looks at us is so much different. You know, I, I take for example, I know, I know a young man who just struggles with sexual sin. He loves God so much but he struggles with sexual sin to an extreme. But God loves him so much. But you know, he has such trouble believing that because of his sin. But what about these guys? Struggling with sexual sin. This, this guy I know is nothing compared to this family. And I keep telling him, God loves you so much. You have such a heart for God. I'm not condoning the sin. I'm just saying different people have different levels of struggles with different things. I know a guy who has the hardest time in the world staying away from pornography. He loves God so much and he just torments him, his battle with pornography. His battle with pornography is different than my battle. God delivered me from that many, many years ago. But my salvation was linked to that. God used that to convict me of my sin when I was 18 years old. And that very verse about lusting after a woman, you've committed adultery already with her in your heart, that verse convicted me of my sin and drew me to Him. And the day I was saved, I was delivered from, from pornography. But I know a whole bunch of guys who are saved that were never delivered. Their struggle is different than mine. How can I judge them for this? I have other struggles that they don't have. If projected up on this screen, wirelessly, you could see the thoughts that go through my mind in a 15-minute period. You would vomit. I battle with these extremely 
evil thoughts in my mind all the time. That's a sin. Because the Bible says, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That's a struggle for me. It's a struggle. Different people have different struggles. How can I judge my brother? I'm not condoning it at all. I'm just saying God views you very differently than you view yourself. You think about your sin. You think about your, you know, your, your height or your weight or your, your, the way you speak. And you look at that. This is, it bothers you. And then you wonder you know, about, about the things you struggle with. Or the things you've done. And you think, could God love me? I mean, look at this family. And God is crying out to us. Look at the family I chose. You're nowhere close. Nowhere near these people. That's why God says, consider your calling. There were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things that are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised, God has chosen the things that are not, that He might nullify the things that are. That was God's choice. And God redeemed. You will be very much with Him. You'll be very much with Him. Because He looks at you very differently than you look at yourself. And He judges you very differently than you judge yourself. He is far more merciful to you than you are to yourself. That I know. That is who God is. I am so thankful that He chose Abraham's family rather than Job's family because I would have a terrible time measuring up to Job but Abraham I like Abraham (laughs) Abraham I can follow I can follow Abraham I wish I could follow him in faith and I can follow Isaac and I can follow Jacob And I can follow Jacob's sons, all except Joseph. He's too good. But the other ones, them I can follow. And tribes were named after them. Whole people groups were called by their names. There is mercy in God. There is redemption in God. Let's pray. Father, I thank You so much for the truth of Your Word that there is indeed mercy and redemption. And Jesus Christ, it says, came to redeem us. And Lord, I pray for my brothers and my sisters here. Father, You know each one, their insecurities, their struggles, their pains, the abuses that they have gone through the shames, the hurts. Father, you know the areas that give them great doubt even about 
their salvation. And Father, I pray that you would renew to them the depth of your love and how you see them as friends. How you see them as righteous. Righteous with righteous souls because of the work of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that your mercies transcend us and they are extended to us in the blood of Christ. Thank you, Father, because Jesus has done it all. Lord, I commit them to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.